Welcome to Bitcoin Tech Talk number, uh, issue number 258. As always, you can find this newsletter at jimmysong.substack.com. People conform to systems. Bitcoin Tech Talk number 258. I had a really interesting conversation with some people the other day about something I really know very little about, dating apps. Dating apps are a phenomenon that got popular after I got married, so it wasn't something I paid much attention to. I did hear some complaints of single friends, but I haven't really paid much paid them much mind raising kids and all. What was curious about this conversation was how the young men described it. They saw dating apps as nothing less than the destruction of their generation. It led me to ask about what was going on, and they described some startling realities of the apps themselves. The apps essentially incentivize really terrible behavior from both men and women. Flaking, ghosting, and cheating are extremely common, and the apps are generally not designed for making people happy as much as they are designed to get lots of people spending money on the app. In other words, the apps have created an ecosystem that incentivizes their users to certain behavior. So much so to the point that people see this behavior as normal. I couldn't help but think of a book I've been reading on this subject. The Technological Society by Jacques Ellul. The author of the book posits that a lot of technology, or what I would call systems, have rules that are alien to human beings but are efficient for the system itself. Evaluating hundreds of possible mates in a couple of hours is completely alien to people even 20 years ago, but is very normal in dating apps now, for example. These bring on emerging behaviors that serve to benefit the system rather than the individual, much like how the behavior of people on the dating apps generally don't benefit them as much as they benefit the apps. The systems then go on to have their own momentum and take advantage of the humans participating. In a sense, humans become enslaved to the system when the system is sold as a service to people. Of course, dating apps are one example, but there's plenty more. Think about how we interact with social media or news articles and their ads online. These are entire systems for which we, the human beings that consume this stuff, end up conforming our behavior to. The most pernicious of these systems is the system of central banking. It's a system based on debt and it incentivizes certain behaviors which in turn feeds itself. Debt leads to more demand which leads to more debt. Since the debt comes out of nothing, we see emergent behaviors like rampant materialism, welfare states, reduced fertility, and so on. The systems that we think benefit us are actually the other way around. We are benefiting the system at our individual, personal, and collective civilization expense. In other words, a lot of technolo technology and systems that we set up end up controlling us instead of the other way around. I suspect that's what's going on with the current lockdowns and weirdness around COVID. It's possible that there's a nefarious world order being orchestrated by a car global cartel of elites. But a more likely explanation is that there's now a bureaucratic system of incentives which cause pe the people in it to conform a certain way and end up perpetuating the system itself. A system that produces vaccines will not only continue to produce vaccines, but also justifications for why more vaccines are needed. There's, there is no evil agenda necessary for such systems to continue to do what they've done, just momentum. And momentum is a very hard thing to stop. 
especially when it's got a lot of mass. Such systems can only be killed off with great effort and hence why these systems die only when they've consumed everything they can. For example, hyperinflation is the end game of a central bank system consuming itself. This would be akin to a crash landing or a quick reduction in velocity. The other option is to reduce the mass slowly, but this necessarily is a long-term endeavor. Indeed, this is what I believe Bitcoin to be. It's an alternate system with much better incentives, which is just as much a system as others, but with individual freedom, self-sovereignty, and low time preference behavior as the emergent properties. A slow transition would take a long time, but be less painful. Of course, we could have a transition, which is a mix of the two. Our current situation really is unprecedented. Regardless, evaluating how this technology changes humanity will be an interesting thing to watch. So um, if you haven't read The Technological Society by Jacques Ellul, it really is uh, a, a thought-provoking uh, you know, series uh, of uh, thoughts around technology and what it does to people. Because as he says, like we live in completely foreign environments, like oh, pretty much everything we do is artificial. Like uh, humans, you know, lived in the prairie and hunted animals and, you know, li lived in caves and stuff like that. And, you know, we now are living in homes uh, stuck in front of screens and, you know, on phones all day, like driving in cars. It, it's just a completely alien world to what our biology, um, you know, kind of is suited for. So, you know, he argues that all of these things, all of these new technologies, like cause conforming behavior, which sort of like take out the soul, uh, sucks out the soul from us. And it causes sort of like this uh, deep despair that uh, we can't really quite identify. Uh, but it's because we're enslaved to these technology systems uh, when they're really sold to us as benefits to us. Anyway, great stuff. Um, I, uh, and, you know, it, it led me to think about like how much central banking controls us and how much we're a slave to it. Uh, it's a technology like anything else. Uh, Bitcoin is unique in the sense that it, it seems to be a technology that's on the other side of the ledger. It's not all bad for humanity. It's a, it seems to be taking us back to sort of like better roots and so on. All right, let's talk about Bitcoin. Bitcoin 22.0 was released. This includes I2P support, BEC32M support, and a bunch of RPC command updates. The I2P support is great as that's an alternative to Tor and allows for some redundancy in node privacy. This is also the first major release with Taproot support, which is only a couple of months away from activating. As more developers contribute, I'm excited that a lot of the cleanup tasks like updating RPC commands are getting done. Uh, so yeah, 22.0 is out. Um, upgrade if you want to. Uh, I think the I2P support is interesting because it is another sort of like different privacy layer than, uh, than Tor might be. So. Um, you know, it's got a completely different architecture. So if Tor ever gets compromised by the U.S. government, I think I2P is what we would switch to. So there's some redundancy there, which I like. Carl Johan Alm has proposed a different way to update BIPs with BIP extensions. The idea is to have updates to BIPs be separate from their original improvement proposals, as many in the past have had substantial updates. HD wallets and Taproot come to mind. 
Extensions allow older standards to still be documented. AJ Towns has replied that it may be wiser to make clear what BIPs are final versus still in draft. Um, so, you know, BIPs are interesting because they seem final when you see them, but oftentimes they get updated later. Um, so HC Wallets and Taproot both had that property. Um, and that, that can be like kind of bad because if you went to one spec and then it changes and then you go back and it's something different, you know, he, he's like, all right, let's document this. Let's make BIP extensions. So I, I see his point, but I also see AJ's point because, you know, when they're first published, they're usually in draft status. And then when they're finalized, they're in final status. And if you update it after final status, then you should really have another BIP and so on. So um, there, there's good, good points on both sides, but a good discussion overall. There's a new way to transition from Bitcoin to SATs using the SAT comma standard. This is a way to help people see both the Bitcoin and SAT value at the same time. So for example, 100,000 SATs would be denoted 0.00,100,000. The commas are meant to help people see the actual SAT value more easily. As the original author of BIP-176, BIT's denomination, I think this is superior and SATs look inevitable. So I would really like to see the standard implemented as a clever transitional step to thinking in terms of SATs. So, um, you know, 0.00, comma, 100,000, that's like a lot easier to understand uh, than, you know, like 0.001 being 100,000 sats like uh, that that conversion doesn't constantly need to be made with this sat comma standard uh, and one bitcoin ends up being one uh, looking like um, you know 100 million sats and so on so uh, really cool and I, I think wallet should adopt this as a way to get uh, people transitioning from BTC to sat so good stuff um, I'm all for it, and I am the author of BIP-176, uh, BIT's denomination that really didn't go anywhere, although a couple wallets implemented it. I would like to see, uh, you know, sat, uh, sat comma. HRF gave 3.75 Bitcoin in grants to various organizations for Bitcoin development. There are 10 different recipients, and the grants are focused on privacy. I like how they're go going very broad with their grants and funding developers they may, that may not necessarily be doing flashy things. So I believe 10 received uh, 25 million sats and another 10 received 50 million sats or I, five received 25 million sats and another five received 50 million sats, which ends up being like, uh, I guess I should use the sat comma standard, uh, 375 million uh, sats. Uh, and that, that's, that's a lot. And, uh, you know, uh, they did receive a lot of donations, I think earlier on, which are utilizing now. Uh, and yeah, they're funding people like Marco Falky and, uh, and many others that aren't necessarily doing things that are flashy, uh, but that are important. So Marco is one of the maintainers and he, uh, makes sure that the test infrastructure is maintained and so on. Uh, but this one was focused on privacy, which a lot of uh, recipients got for their work in doing that. All right, Lightning. Michael Ree has written part two of his Lightning development series. This is a great step-by-step -step explanation of how he builds a store for selling digital rights to photos. The tutorial makes great use of Lightning Polar and has plenty of code to show exactly what's going on. I find tutorials like this great as things can be adjusted later to make your own application. So he's written 
another one um you know that the, this part two he did part one where he described the, the tools tool chain he was using this one actually built something so really good to read through if you're a lightning developer Coindesk Research has published their analysis of the Lightning Network, including some good metrics. This is the first time I've seen anything from this group, as usually they are known for reporting industry news and not in-depth pieces like this. The report goes over a lot of metrics and their growth with respect to the Lightning Network. I really hope Coindesk invests more in this area as they've been more known for their fluffy altcoin coverage than anything in depth with bitcoin so they did put a lot of stats in there the growth that lightning has and it's it, it's uh, it's like a coindesk research report i imagine um this is meant for sale at some point or something like that but it's really good and you can download the pdf by clicking on the link and so on Roy Scheinfeld so shows how one family is getting closer with the use of Lightning. Matthew Haywood has been around the Bitcoin space and has a tech background. The story in there shows just how useful Bitcoins can be for allowances, microtransactions, and content payment instead of ads. I think a Lightning-enabled world will look a lot more like this and one that will be far less scary than a trusted third-party one that dominates now. So uh, it's a sweet story. You should read it, uh, talking about, uh, you know, sort of like how one family is using Lightning and uh, sort of the potential for the future, especially with podcasts and content creation and things like that. All right, economics, engineering, etc. Alex Gladstein has another great read on El Salvador. This is on the heels of El Salvador declaring Bitcoin exempt from capital gains taxes. Gladstein writes a very balanced look at what's going on in El Salvador, particularly the contrast between the transparency of Bitcoin and the opaque way in which the El Salvador government has been developing everything. The whole thing is a fantastic portrait of what's actually happening on the ground while giving geopolitical context to what's going on. So uh, he, he spent some time in El Salvador recently. He tipped some people. He, uh, he did a bunch of stuff there. And I thought it was really great that he, uh, he, he wrote this piece because it really is balanced. He, he does sort of show how sort of authoritarian that government has been in the past. Um, and balancing it with, you know, the freedom that they're seeing through Bitcoin. Uh, so a good article to uh, take a look at. Marty Bent destroys the ill-informed New York Times opinion. As he points out, the confidence with which the New York Times editor presented his case and the accuracy of the article itself were completely out of whack. There's definitely a concerted attack on Bitcoin from mainstream media these days. If I were a conspiracy theorist, I would say this is a coordinated uh, this is coordinated as a way to discredit Bitcoin with the elites. But as I mentioned above, this is probably a knee-jerk reaction from the media industrial complex. Uh, so there definitely is sort of like a media industrial complex that has its own momentum, like I was describing at the beginning of this um, the, uh, this article or this podcast and newsletter. Uh, you know, they have their own momentum and they have their own incentives and just sort of like crapping on new technology uh, is part and parcel of what journalists do. And every new technology has lots of scare stories like this. Um, you know, microwaves, it takes all nutrition out of your food. Cell phones, they'll give you cancer. Electricity, it can kill elephants and all this other stuff. It's it, it, it's a part of what journalists do. It's, uh, it, it's not, it, it's, um, you know, they, they are very closely linked with propaganda that, uh, that people, uh, that these companies want to put out and they're, 
they can be bought, basically. Nick Carter shows why Ethereum is inherently political. Nick goes through the latest shenanigans on Ethereum, where they are clearly choosing winners and losers on their platform, as centralized entities have a tendency to do. This is the problem with centralization. Because power is concentrated, everything becomes way more political, and the monetary rewards become the bounty that people go after. I suspect that it's not necessarily a loss of trust that will doom these networks, but a loss of power by the losers of the inevitable power struggles, which will whittle down this and other altcoin networks. In a sense, this has happened already. Hodgkinson was on Ethereum before he left and made Cardano and... Lots of other former Ethereum people ended up going and starting EOS and, and things like that. This is what happens when you have sort of power struggles. Um, and, you know, it, it's inevitable that they'll keep splitting and stuff. I, I mean, I, I think you can even argue like Ethereum Classic was that way back in the day. Um, but yeah, I, like they, they've been okay because there's always kind of new people coming in and the growth is able to withstand uh sort of the natural attrition rate of people splitting off and going on their own networks and so on uh but eventually i think it's it starts decreasing um still probably on the up tra trajectory for ethereum in terms of more people getting involved uh but at some point i think uh, you know the political nature of it will like and the fact that you can't really keep people against their will like anyone can leave at any time i i think this dooms it because there there's no uh, like there is a political center, and that's that's easily where everybody wants to be. Coin Center sheds light on the infrastructure bills clause 6050i. This is different than the broker clause, which got the community up in an uproar. Uh, essentially, this is an unworkable mess as it requires the de deputized surveillance of digital assets, even when there's no third party. This is clear evidence that Congress simply doesn't understand what Bitcoin is. That said, I suspect this could be enforced on all coin networks that have centralization, especially for airdrops and such. I hope Congress learns better what Bitcoin is. Um, so this is something that a lot of all coins do. Um, expect regulation, guys. Like this is going to happen. Uh, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I can get an airdrop of this free token or whatever. Well, they're going to make you register stuff and, you know, they'll tax you on it and all that stuff. It's going to be fun. Uh, that was sarcastic. Here is a great article showing how Bitcoin helps African entrepreneurs from places as diverse as Nigeria and Kenya. Bitcoin is helping with international settlement in a very local way. This article shows not so much the effect of Bitcoin, but rather the dominance of the central banks in international trade. It's obvious to me that there's a lot of value being unlocked in monetarily oppressed places like Africa with Bitcoin. Um, so enjoyed the story. There's definitely, um, you know, uh, something to learn about how African entrepreneurs are sort of actually using Bitcoin. Um, and paying their suppliers in China and things like that. Quick hit, stable coins and altcoins may be getting some serious regulation soon from the SEC. Uh, this links to sort of like the comments from Gary Gensler, um, who seems to be indicating that these are all centralized uh, illegal securities. So uh, if that's the case, then, uh, you know, there's some regulation coming down and that's what governments do because, you know, as I've been told by a lot of political people, that's a lot of money. And uh, whenever a politician sees a lot of money, they want to go and tax it. So it's going to happen. Coinbase signs a deal with the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. So they are 
uh, doing some level of surveillance or something for them or something like that. And it's not even that much money, but it's probably more because they realize they want some of the government regulation business that's inevitable. Okay, Boomer. And well, maybe not all Boomers. Uh, and this is from Barron's where they talk about like Bitcoin could co collapse and it isn't a good uh, safeguard of value or something. And it's all by Boomers, right? And But, you know, Boomers apparently are starting to buy some Bitcoin. So, you know, it's kind of a nice contrast there. Another week, another altcoin shows just how centralized it is. And this is about Solana, where they turned off and turned on the network again. <laughs> like, there's nothing, uh, if there's anything that uh, so obviously, like, centralized, I, I, I don't know what it is. Uh, events. I will be in Miami for the Oslo Freedom Forum, October 3rd through 6th. The Texas Blockchain Summit, October 8th. And Atlanta for TabConf on November 4th and 5th. Uh, the Programming Blockchain Seminar is in Atlanta, Georgia, November 2nd and 3rd. This is a two-day seminar for programmers to learn about Bitcoin, and you can apply. Also, I have a few scholarships for those that can't afford it. Podcast. On this week's Bitcoin Fixes This, I talked to Nick Baccia about this history of money. He said light on how money became so layered with trust and how that trust got abused. So... Um, interesting episode. Uh, uh, totally encourage you guys go, to go look at it. I read through last week's newsletter, which you can find here. Um, I was on Tone Show to talk about Core 22.0, the Solana restart, and more. I talked about the moral case for Bitcoin with capital gains tax solutions, marketing with Naked Marketing, and about the new book with on uh, Courage Cast. So, bunch of uh, podcasts this week that I did. Uh, my other books are The Little Bitcoin Book and Programming Bitcoin, which you can find on Amazon. And Unchained Capital is a sponsor of this newsletter. I'm an advisor to a company that's enhancing security for Bitcoin holders. If you need multi-sig, collaborative custody, or Bitcoin native financial services, learn more at Unchained.com. Also, I have a special episode of Bitcoin Tech Talk coming out later today, um, and that will be about Evergrande with... Preston Pish. So I talked to him for about an hour um, and, you know, he'll shed quite a bit of light on what the heck is happening over there and what that means uh, for the economy and so on. Fiat Delenda S, this song is done.